Here's a shout out to all our Latino listeners since last Thursday was December the 12th, the feast of Our Lady of Guadalupe. In 1531, a lady from heaven appeared to a peasant by the name of Juan Diego just outside Mexico City. She said to him, know for certain that I am the perfect and perpetual Virgin Mary, mother of the true God, and instructed him to have the bishop build a temple on the site. Juan Diego was not too sure about this, and Mary said to him, don't don't be afraid. Am I not here? Am I not your mother? And as proof of her apparition, she left an image of herself imprinted miraculously on his tilma. This is a poor quality cactus cloth that would not have lasted 20 years, but shows no sign of decay almost 500 years later and still defies all scientific explanations of its origin. This single event was the defining one for Catholicism in Mexico and in Latin America. In less than 20 years, some 9 million Mexicans were converted to Christianity. Guadalupe is also the most popular Marian shrine in the world, with an estimated 10 million pilgrims visiting the Basilica each year, and it is also the most visited Catholic church in the world next to the Vatican. So, on this weekend, on the wake of the Feast of Guadalupe, let's celebrate the Church of Latin America because Latinos have a mother, and she is the mother of God, the lady from heaven who came to a peasant, speaking to him in his native language and giving him and his people hope. Viva la Guadalupana! I'm Deacon Pedro, and this is the Salt and Light Hour. Hello and welcome to an all-new Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro. I am Billy Chan. And again, Billy, it's just you and me. Nobody else what is with us. What do you mean by just? I am Billy, you know, it's all good bi- enough, right? Billy wants to host this show, so maybe people can comment. <laughs> send us comments. Do you if want you Billy want to, host to host the show? your show, yes, please tell please, me. please tell us. Um, uh, I, I want to say yes. to all the people that are watching this program, that are sorry, listening to this program yeah. while they're driving, they're listening on the Catholic Channel, on Sirius XM, if you're listening at night, okay. turn your lights on. <laughs> again, again, I was driving last night and yeah. some person, and it was dark with, yeah. with their lights not on. And the night before, someone else. This is my new thing. No, but every if you're time driving, I'm turn your lights on. Every night I see somebody. Don't assume that it's on auto. Someone. Turn your lights on yeah. because we don't want you getting into a car crash if you're watching, uh, if you're listening to this program because it's such a good program. Yeah, because of me. There you go. There you go. And but if you do uh, miss part of the program, you can go to our website, saltandlighttv.org/radio. There you go, and that's where all our programs are archived. Um, now today, Billy, we're going to join by Matteo. Yeah. Gonna, we're going to go to Rome, and Matteo is going to talk to us a little bit about what's happening in Rome just before Christmas. I think people are always excited to to to, uh, to know what the Pope is doing. I always want to go doing. there. Okay, I mean, well then you can go. In Christmas, I mean. There you go. A lot of people. Billy wants to go to Rome <laughs> for Christmas, so uh, sponsor me. <laughs> sponsor him. There you go. Um, so that'll be in about uh, five minutes, Matteo, uh, with our news, and then Mark Matthews wow. is going to be back to tell us what's good in Hollywood. He has. You're going to like this segment. What is it? Because he has advice for all of you who are afraid of new technologies. That's that's you, Billy. <laughs> afraid of new technologies. Yeah, I think a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I am. Old people like me, afraid of new technologies. Um, so that's in about 10 minutes, right after our news with Matteo. And then, Church for Dummies. Yes, that, this question I never thought I will ask because I thought it's a very easy question, but apparently it's not. It's about the mass. Okay, another question about the mass. <laughs> yes. Haven't we talked enough about the mass? No, yeah, it's a lot of things in the mass, so we should actually talk more. 
Yeah. Okay, about the mass. Yes. So so there you go. That's coming up in about 15 minutes. And then, Billy, yeah. do you, can you read? Do you know what that <laughs> says? Oh, yeah. This is a really, I really like this word. Do you know how to spell? Transubstantiation. Is it? <laughs> what? Transubs- what? Say it. Transubstantial? Transubstantiation. <laughs> Transubstantiation. I don't even know how to. You know how do you say it in Chinese? No, I don't know. It, does it exist in Chinese? I do not know. I didn't. I, I just know the English word. Okay. Do you I, know what it means? Yes, I know. What when while when 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 the bread become the body. Yeah. So the, so transubstantiation yeah. is the change of the substance yeah. of the bread and wine into the body exactly. and blood of Christ. So we're going to be speaking about transubstantiation later on. That's our featured conversation. It sounds. Ah, yes. You think it's going to be boring? Yes. Is that why you're making a face? <laughs> It's intense, I would say. It is intense, yeah. but here's what I'm just going to say. So yeah. Brett Salkeld, who's the author, he's a friend of mine. Okay. He's a theologian. He uh, just wrote this book. And if you read, maybe, uh, you, obviously, people Theology. who are listening can't see the, the title. Yeah. Theology, History, and Christian Unity. Wow. Do you think that transubstantiation <sighs> is a question that Christians disagree on? He yeah. has done the research to find out that actually Luther and Calvin originally okay. actually did not disagree with the real presence. Oh. They might have just misunderstood what that term meant. So that's, I think, a very interesting conversation. Yeah. And it's a book that you might want to get. So that's uh, coming up. Uh, we're going to be talking with uh, Brett Salkeld, Dr. Brett Salkeld. Is it hard to read? I think you read, uh, it's you read very, some of them, it's right? It's very Already. hard to It's very hard to read. I can see it. It's yeah, very, it's, very it's, serious. It's, it's heavy theology, but it's interesting. It's historically interesting. And... Uh, Anyway, uh, you can listen to the yeah, to the interview definitely. with Brett, <laughs> yeah, and uh, and then you can decide whether you want to read the book or not. It's a good book book to have. There's a lot of interesting uh, history in there. Um, and uh, at the end of the program, we're going to uh-huh. go to Holland. Oh, I love the it. The Netherlands. You've been there, right? <laughs> yes, I've been in um, Amsterdam. I've never yeah. been. So love it. We're going to be speaking uh, to Albert Smelt. He is the frontman of a Dutch Christian band called Trinity. Okay. I met them in Wor- at World Youth Day in Panama. Mm-hmm. Um, they sing in Spanish. It's crazy. Um, uh, I, I want people, you guys are going to love uh, listening to Albert talk about the band and, and, and where, why why these Dutch guys uh-huh. speak Spanish. So they have some great music. There's some great music videos on their website. Um, so I'm very excited that we're going to be, uh, quote unquote, in the Netherlands with them today so that you can all meet them. Um, if you're not going to be listening again, Remember, you can go to our website. Website, radio and also on the iTunes, Spotify, Android, uh, almost all the platforms. Yeah, anywhere you get your yeah. podcasts, you can uh, uh, subscribe to the Salt and Light Hour. Okay, so there's no excuses for not listening to the show. No so, uh, Trinity, the band, that's going to be at the end of the program. So, we're going to start with a song. Yeah, um, as normal. You're going to love this song, okay? What is it? It's a Christmas song. It's a pre-Christmas song. Okay, Advent. Uh, I thought we're in Advent, so let's play a little okay. play, play a little pre-Christmas song uh-huh. this is the band Trinity with Masterpiece of Love wow. from their album It Is Christmas We're on our way to Christmas looking out for signs of peace on earth and wondrous joy Will the Messiah find a cradle Will he find a heart to be his home, a lonely stable? Jesus, my piece of love, born unto us in Bethlehem. We welcome Jesus, my piece of love, Christ. 
nights of Christmas We walk the walk to where it all began Our God is with us We glorify the Savior We bring our gifts to the King who came to be A child in a manger Jesus, my son, peace of love Born unto us in Bethlehem We welcome Jesus, my son, peace of love Christ eternal in the hearts of That was the band Trinity with Masterpiece of Love from their album It Is Christmas and we're going to be speaking with Elbert Smelt, frontman of the band Trinity in about 30 minutes. But first, off to Rome with Matteo with our news. Matteo, welcome back to the Salt and Light Hour. Hi, Pedro. It's always a pleasure to be here with you. Yes, always a pleasure to have you. So uh, anything interesting happening in Rome for Christmas? Well, first of all, I would say that we have to talk about the nativity, nativity yes. scene and the Christmas tree. See, si. yeah, because they were uh, inaugurated on December fifth in uh, St. Peter's Square. Okay, the crib comes from uh, Scurelle, oh. a little village in the province of Trento, northern uh, Italy. Okay, and uh, it has been made in the Trentino tradition. Okay, it contains twenty life-size figures. Mm-hmm. And uh, regarding the 26-meter-high tree, it comes from Rozzo. It's uh, in the province of Vicenza, always northern east of Italy. Uh, both the tree and the crib in St. Peter's Square will remain on display until January 12, 2020. So wow. there is uh, okay, another month to visit these very nice and characteristic uh, uh, symbols. Yes. Of Christmas. Yes, very good. So that's a tradition. Okay, good. Anything else? There's been some appointments, no? Yeah, yes. There was a very important appointment because uh, uh, Pope Francis has appointed Cardinal Luis Antonio Tagle mm-hmm. as the Bishop of Manila, Philippines, to lead the congregation for the evangelization of people. Okay. As the head of a curial department, Tagle will no longer be the Archbishop of Manila. No. Uh, opposed. Uh, he has held since uh, December uh, 2011. Uh, uh-huh. As you know, since uh, 2015, he has been president of Caritas Internationalis. Yes. And uh, and he was uh, also very involved in the October 2018 Youth Synod. Mm-hmm. So this was a very important thing uh, happened a few days ago in the you know in the Vatican contest yes very good we uh, Cardinal Tagle is a good friend of us here at Salt and Light TV so we're very excited but I'm kind of a little sad that he has to leave the Philippines what 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 are people saying in Rome about this appointment is he the first uh, Asian 
who was there at the evangelization of the peoples before him? It was an Italian, no? Uh, Do you know? Yeah, but, yeah, but you know, um, I think that the people really love uh, Cardinal Tagli. Yes, I can so, see. Um, and also the people from Philippines, for sure, they know yeah. that they lost in some way an important figure, but at the same time, we know that he can do very well this new, uh, uh, this new activity, this new important appointment that he, he received. So yeah. uh, maybe we lost something on one side, but, but for sure we, gained, we are going to get something yes. very important on the other side. Absolutely. So you're in Rome. So as soon as he starts, I want an interview with Cardinal Cito Tagle, okay? We will do our best. <laughs> okay. The last thing that I would like to say, because yeah. you know, it's uh, almost Christmas and uh, yes. we are in the Advent, and uh, I want to say just a couple of things about the Pope Christmas agenda. Yes. Can I say that? Absolutely. We are, everybody wants to know what the Pope does for Christmas. Well, Pope Francis will preside Christmas Mass on 24th at 9.30 mm -hmm. p.m. Mm -hmm. The following day, the traditional Urbier Orbi blessing mm -hmm. on 25th in the morning, from the central lodge of the Vatican Basilica uh -huh. and uh, the Angelus on uh, 26th. That's very important that we don't have to, you know, underrate because it's for Santo Stefano. San oh, Stefano, yes, a deacon. Who was the first martyr <laughs> of Christianity. He was a deacon. That's more important. Yeah, exactly. Yes. So you can say to everyone how much is, uh, is important. Yes, deacons and martyrs. There you go. <laughs> Okay, and I think that you know, for this week, we are uh, we are fine with that. Yeah, we are good, and all those events. So the Christmas Eve Mass, the uh, Urbi et Orbi, and the Angelus Address, people can watch them on our network at Salt and Light TV um, on TV if you're in our on our broadcast area or online at saltandlighttv.org uh, if you're not. Um, thank you, Matteo. If you get to see the Pope on his birthday, the seventeenth, I believe, you say hello. Uh, tell him uh, auguri happy birthday and uh, we will have Merry Christmas to you I don't think we're going to speak until the new year so Merry Christmas thank you for what you do and we'll talk to you in the new year oh for sure see you in uh, 2020 yes very an good important year an important year good Matteo Cioffi thank you our Salt and Light Vatican correspondent you can watch his program Vaticano 360 and follow him at Matteo Cioffi Coming up is our Hollywood undercover missionary, Mark Matthews, with What's Good in Hollywood. If you're afraid of new technologies, stay tuned because his segment is just for you. Hi, this is Nancy Bodsworth, singer-songwriter, and you are listening to The Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. Do you want to connect with us? You can email radio at saltandlighttv.org or you can look for me, Deacon Pedro, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can also send a direct voice message right off our webpage, saltandlighttv.org slash radio. And now it's time for What's Good in Hollywood with our Hollywood undercover missionary, Mark Matthews. Mark, welcome back to the program. Thank you. Hello, Pedro. It's Hello, very good. Pedro. It's very good. Should always, I, should, always should, a pleasure to be here. Should we tell our listeners that it's very good to hear your voice, but we were together side by side in a restaurant exactly. in Hollywood not two weeks ago? Just just not that long ago. Not and it was a, a pleasure to actually see you in person it and was. Not just hear your voice. It was good. And we solved all the world's problems, including 
all the technology that's going to take over the world, right? That's right. In fact, yeah, this, this whole idea for this discussion today comes out of our conversation about all the sort of crazy fears we have historically had about technology. Because I'm like that. I'm old and I'm afraid of new technology. So you have to ease my fears. So all you, all you old people are like, oh, these young <laughs> kids, all this dang-fangled technology, it's going to ruin the world. Yeah, that's exactly me. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, see, I, that, that was actually a recording today, folks, of what, of what Pedro sounded like two weeks ago. <laughs> So one of the most kind of the oldest and perhaps the most famous and the strangest example of this is Plato lamenting the ability of youth to memorize stories and thoughts because of the proliferation of the written word. Wow. Yeah. Can you believe that? He, he was lamenting basically the like invention of writing. That's funny. Because he thought... People won't be able to remember, or people won't be able to remember things anymore. Right. Or actually, to be a little bit more precise, what he was lamenting was that people wouldn't actually learn a subject and that they would just merely sort of read something and think that they knew it. Right. So that sounds a little crazy, but, but we'll come back to that mm-hmm. in a second. More modern examples are things like the invention of trains. Okay. Um, the pe- People at the time, this is I think like roughly 1825, they thought, oh, they're going to be going so fast that their, their body will be ripped to shreds, and, uh, and you know, women's uteruses will fall out. What? And, yeah, I know, I know, you're just like, what? You've got to be kidding me. I mean, come on, that's ridiculous. That's you know, and, and there was even, I think, a case, too, of like, that even seeing something that went fast, faster than 30 miles per hour, that your mind just couldn't handle it, and it would induce a form of hysteria or oh something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the list goes on. Um, President Benjamin Harris in the United States, he uh-huh. had the White House wired for electricity, but because he was too afraid of getting shocked, he wouldn't touch the switches. That's funny. And perhaps a few more... Second examples relating to communication um, is the invention of the telegraph and the telephone. Mm-hmm. So, uh, the, in uh, what was it, yeah, 1889, Spectator magazine, they warned against the constant diffusion of statements in snippets huh. because of the telegraph, huh. and also noted the peculiar conversational abbreviations between telegraph operators. Yeah. Does that sound like anything you've yeah, heard of today? Totally. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, TBH, uh, you know, all these great little abreaves that all the teeny boppers use and emoji yeah, yeah. and things like that. Wow. Um, and, uh, yeah, even, even the telephone. The New York Times wrote a very ferocious attack against the uh, in, in basic invention of the telephone because of its invasion of privacy. Um, wow. They, they, yeah, one of the writers wrote, they said, we will soon be nothing but transparent heaps of jelly to each wow. other. Wow. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I, I tell these to you, and we kind of go, oh, those old people, you know, they're, they're so silly. What do they know? We're so modern and so much smarter now. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but what I want to point out is actually that there are some, written, there are some elements of truth mm-hmm. in what they were saying. Mm-hmm. You know, like given how much we respect Plato for everything else he said, you know, I think it's doubtful that he was merely being sentimental, and maybe he actually did have a legitimate gripe. 
Yeah. Um, and I, and I would say that there are you know the the memorization of text is traditionally like something that has been used all throughout history, and you even look at the. Um, you know, all the Gospels, you know, for the first century, they were all passed down through oral tradition. Yeah. And as I understand it, too, even until the turn of this century, it was common for seminarians to memorize the Gospel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You just think, yeah. wow. They're like, yeah, wouldn't it be something now? If, like, if, yeah. You just think, like, wow, can people actually memorize the whole Gospel? Mm-hmm. And it's like, yes, you can, and you would just be that much smarter because you'd have the Word of God within you. Yeah, I know. Um, wow. Yeah. And, and so even things like, um, you know, talking about trains moving too fast. Well, you know, if you look at maybe a little bit of a different, slightly different example, you know, just regular motor vehicles and cars, seatbelts were not that common. Mm-hmm. And it took roughly maybe 40, 50 years until we had seatbelt legislation in the late 1960s. Mm-hmm. And even today, like, what's, what's one of the leading causes of death? It's motor vehicle yeah, accidents. car crashes, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, car crashes. So, you know, you look at that and you go, oh, there, there actually is a lot of real truth to, to what they were saying. We've clearly judged that having cars is a, a lesser evil than perhaps mm-hmm. the deaths from it, but we should look at both sides and have a very sober view. And I don't think we should immediately dismiss mm-hmm. every one of those old, um, those old concerns. Mm-hmm. And so the, the last thing I would point out, too, is so, you know, these concerns about the telephone and the telegraph, you know, I had the opportunity to live with the Madonna House community. Okay. And they, they're essentially uh, a lay apostle of men, women, and priests that live together in community. I describe it to, you know, sort of non-religious as kind of like a monastic community. Mm-hmm. And you live a life of true poverty, chastity, and obedience. And you don't have easy access to a phone or a computer there. Mm-hmm. And my experience there is like, what a wonderful thing that was. It was mm-hmm. incredibly freeing. Free, yeah. And so you don't see sometimes how much of a slave we are to these modern communication methods, or even how much of an invasion of privacy they actually are. Like, why do we always feel the need to answer the phone or immediately yeah. Yeah. reply to messages? Mm-hmm. So, so I, I guess maybe the two things to take away is that, is that you know, there, there are elements of truth to all these concerns in the past, but it's very difficult for us to sort of see the full picture until we've lived with this technology for a while. So mm-hmm. I would say cautiously welcome it and try a wait-and-see approach because right. they couldn't have predicted anything that would have been a proper response to these no. technologies. We have to wait and see what are the actual harms. Right, right. So new technology, embrace it, let's try it out, and we'll figure it out, I suppose, as we go. Don't be a complete Luddite and dismiss it. Yeah, our children, our grandchildren will figure it out. Um, Exactly. Thank you. That's good. That's good. I'm actually interested in hearing more about this, so I hope that there's more to come. Um, But we're going to speak to you. We're going to speak to you next week for our Christmas episode. So I hope that you have something good, Christmassy good, that's happening in Hollywood. Okay. There you go. Thank you for easing our fears about technology. Mark Matthews, our undercover Hollywood missionary. You can follow him at Hu Missionary. Hello, this is Nick Alexander, a praise and worship comedian guy, and you are listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. I'm Deacon Pedro. If you're just tuning in on the Catholic Channel, go to our website, saltandlighttv.org, to listen to the rest of the show that you might maybe did not hear. And now it's time for... Church for Dummies. With Billy Chang. Hello, hello. Uh, hello, hello. Okay, so basically, uh, this question 
is uh, I, I, about I, the mass. About the mass. Um, you know, we we it's a mandatory to go to mass every Sunday. It is an obligation, obligation. for every Catholic to yeah. go to mass on Sunday. But yes. there is also mass between in, in the weekday, right? Monday yes. to Saturday. Yeah, there's mass every day. Okay, so why do we have mass every day, and why they are not uh, uh, obligation? Yeah, no, it's a very good question. Um, the obligation—I don't know why there's no obligation. The yeah. obligation is to go on Sunday. That's yes. it. Now, yes. now we today know that mass is celebrated every day. Yes. Everywhere around the world, there's mass every day, but that wasn't always the case. Oh, okay. what do you mean? Okay. You mean so back then da- daily no? mass was not the practice in oh. the early Christianity up until about the second century, wow. actually. So, and even in the se- in the second century, so early Christianity, the the mass that that breaking the bread, yes. the, the the what they call the Eucharistic meal, was something that was only done on Sundays, and and it was sometime in the second century when Catholics began to celebrate mass on days other than Sundays, but not every day. Okay, wait, wait, wait a minute. At yes. that time, they do not have Sunday, right? Because they do not have no, a Gregory they did. Uh, they calendar. Did. No, they, 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 they did. They celebrated the Day of the Lord, yeah. which would have been the day after the Sabbath oh, okay. because Jesus was resurrected, Yes, came, the resurrection day. Mm-hmm. So they did celebrate that. I don't know how they would have figured out with the uh, with the Gregorian calendar yes. or not, but, mm-hmm. it, but, they, but there are seven days okay. in a week. Okay. Um, so the, the way it started mm-hmm. was that especially certain monastic communities what would celebrate mass around the feast of saints and martyrs oh, and okay, those okay. were not always on Sunday yes. so that's how it started so that's when they would start celebrating of course they wanted to celebrate with the martyrs or with the saints and it was appropriate to do mass uh-huh. and so that's when they would started doing mass on days other than Sundays mm-hmm. and then of course as more saints were added to the calendar okay, yes, to the canon yes. then there was more and more and of course we know now that every day every day has a feast day has a feast yeah. day probably right so so the, the, the practice expanded as, as feast days were added uh-huh. and it, but it was probably not until about the 7th century okay. that daily mass became a widespread thing in the western world um, uh, uh, th- there's no obligation there isn't and I this is something that I found out that I didn't know um, That's good. <laughs> about priests, because I always thought that priests, that there was an obligation for a priest to, to celebrate, celebrate mass, mass every day. day. But apparently um, it's not obligatory oh. for priests to say mass every day, but it is highly encouraged. So if you look at the Code of Canon Law, and yeah. I looked it up because I was curious, number okay. two, 276, Canon Law, it says that priests are earnestly invited to offer the sacrifice of Eucharist daily, so they they're are earnestly invited. Mm-hmm. They're very encouraged, mm-hmm. but th- but they don't have. There's no promise. There's no. Uh, but I think most priests do. Yes. If they either can celebrate or celebrate mass, even if they're on their own. I think we've talked about this. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. They can yeah. celebrate mass by themselves. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean, now we have an understanding that the Eucharist is the source and summit of our Christian life. So we see the benefits, maybe benefits, and understanding that maybe early people in the church did not have. But what's the benefit on going to the daily mass? I don't. I don't know if there's any benefit other mm-hmm. the, other than the benefit of going to mass. So the graces that you receive with the Eucharist, yeah, uh, the word, listening to the word, okay. listening to the homily. I mean, all the graces that you get f- during mass, you're going to get whether it's Sunday mass or daily mass. It doesn't matter. Um, but the obligation is to go on Sundays. Okay. Yes. Okay. Okay. Um, go. That's a good question. It's a good question, right? Yes. But the thing is this. Um. For the. F- uh, but we actually celebrate mass. I mean. There is Eucharist in Mass, right? And, and, yes. And every feast day or every wedding or every... Um, yes. Uh, we, we, we celebrate Mass as well. Yes. 
Why yes. Do we, why do we use Eucharist? I, I don't know, but I think it's because we have an understanding that that's what Jesus said. Do this in memory of me. Mm-hmm. He didn't say read the Gospels in memory of me. He didn't oh, say go to okay. confession in memory of me. He said do this in memory. So that's what we do. Now I'm one of the people that actually think that Catholics sometimes we think that that's the only thing we can do because mm-hmm. we could have a liturgy of the Word. You could have a Bible yeah, study. Yeah, you yeah. could have praise and worship. You could have adoration. But we always think that the Mass is the only thing we can do. Um, but Mass is certainly, I think, the source and summit. So that is probably maybe the best thing we can do. Um, with an understanding that not everybody has access to Mass. Yes. Right? So I in think the world. That in yeah. the world. So we need to be be aware that not, that we're actually quite blessed here in North America. Okay. Okay, That's good great. question. Billy Chan. Thank yeah, you. thank you. Very good question. Uh, Billy Chan, our uh, webmaster here at Salt and Light TV and our resident dummy. Uh, you can follow him and ask him questions at B. Joe Chan. Coming up in our second half hour, Transubstantiation, and we meet the Dutch Christian band Trinity, so stay tuned. Hello and welcome to the Salt and Light Hour Part 2, I'm Deacon Pedro. Transubstantiation, you know, what happens to the bread and wine during the consecration at Mass when they become the fullness, body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ, is an issue that divides Christians. But, as it turns out, that what Luther and Calvin were teaching about the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist is not that far from what Thomas Aquinas was teaching with this term, transubstantiation. That's what theologian Brett Salkeld shows in his new book, Transubstantiation, a book that looks at the history, the theology, and also at Christian unity. And to tell us more, I'm now joined by Dr. Brett Salkeld. Brett, it's so good to have you here in Toronto with us. Thanks, Deacon Pedro. Good to be here. Good. Um... Okay, so definition, straight up, what is transubstantiation? Right, so it's the change of the substance of the bread and the wine into the substance of the body and blood of Christ at the consecration. Okay, and so it defines what is happening uh, yeah. or how it's happening. Uh, well, to, it, it carefully specifies what we mean by change, right? So the change is not a physical change. It's a change at a deeper level where God uh, determines the identity of, of a given element okay. of creation by the power of his word, right? So when, when Jesus says, this is my body, or the priest says it in, in the person of Christ, uh, we believe that those words have, have the power to determine the reality that, that he's talking about. Okay, yeah, of course. So then does it really matter how it happens? Yeah, I mean, one way of saying how it happens is by the power of God. Yeah, I mean, of course. Like that's, really, that's really what I'm, yeah. Interestingly enough, uh, like, uh, St. Thomas Aquinas will, will use two ways of talking about the power of God. One, he'll say by the word of Christ. Uh-huh. And Martin Luther uh-huh. really emphasizes that. Yeah. And another way uh, Thomas Aquinas will talk about it is by the power of the Holy Spirit. And John Calvin right. really right. emphasizes that. Yeah. So that's kind of interesting parallels. Interesting, interesting. So the term, because tra- we didn't always, I mean, Jesus Christ, the term, not in the Bible. Right. Who came up with that term? Yeah. So, uh, uh, 1,100 years of church history, we believed in real presence without really needing um, a philosophical construct to understand it. But the, right. the question raises itself in medieval Europe, and people say, is he, is he really present? What do you mean by really present? And mm-hmm. the church needs a way to talk about uh, something that is really real, that is not a physical 
kind of change. And okay. substance fits the bill because it, it ta- it's a category that says what's present to our intellect. So we perceive what, what this philosophical tradition would call accidents. We perceive color, size, texture, smell, uh, right. taste. Um, but through our senses perceiving different things, our intellect says, but underneath the granular, sweet, small, white things that, that are sugar crystals, right. we say there is sugar. The okay. sugar is not the sweetness or the whiteness or the granularity. It's the thing it's like that has, reality. it's the noun that has all the adjectives. Yeah. So it, yeah, it's a deeper reality. So the accident is what we perceive through the senses, but there's, but a thing is more than just what we perceive through the senses. Right, right. And our and mind that apprehends, substance. apprehends that. Yeah. So then, so then in trying to explain, so then would Thomas, St. Thomas Aquinas has been trying to explain what that Eucharist after it's consecrated, what it is. Right. And, and, and how it makes sense to say it's different. Like, why does it make sense to say that this is no longer bread and wine? This is the body and blood of Christ. When, if you were to look under a microscope or a mass spectrometer or just with your eyes, it looks like bread, it looks like bread and wine. So, so what, what kind of thing is different? And he says the difference is the the deepest identity of the thing that is determined by God's word. That's the thing that changes at the consecration. Right. And that's the substance. That's the substance, which is different than how we typically use that word today. So there's a lot of misunderstanding of the doctrine uh-huh. of transubstantiation because for modern people, substance means physical stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, at the crime scene, there was a sticky white substance, right? Yes. Um, and so... Uh, you can get this sense, oh, if I went into a lab, I could prove or disprove transubstantiation. And according to the the classic doctrine, no, you can't, because a lab would expect to find only the accidents, only the physical right. expression, right? And the term transubstantiation expects that as well, expects, that the yeah. accidents don't change. Ex- yeah, that's part of the definition is that the accidents don't change, right? So a Eucharistic miracle is is a different kind of thing. We, yeah. don't, we don't think that the the... Consecration didn't work if there's no Eucharistic miracle, right? right? Exactly. We still think it's not bleeding, so then it's not it's, it's not Jesus. It's not Jesus. Yeah. Um, um, I was very intrigued in reading the book, the whole Christian unity aspect of it, and that's why I, I kind of my introduction. I was, you know, uh, I brought that up mm-hmm. that that we think that we that Christians and Catholics non non Christian non-Catholic Christians there you and go. Catholics disagree on this, but you're saying, based on what you've done, the work that you've done looking at what Luther and Calvin right. specifically believed, that we're actually closer than we might think. Right, yeah. So the agreement isn't perfect, but a lot of Catholics have been given the impression that we believe in real presence and Protestants don't. Uh-huh. And and that's simply false. Lots of Protestants. You, you, you would have a hard time finding a more fervent advocate of real presence in the history of the church than Martin Luther. He really? was, he was r- deeply committed really? to this. Um, the, the early, early Protestantism, there were Protestants who rejected this. And that's that the first split in Protestantism was over this question. Luther said, this is my body means this is my body. Right. And other people said, well, no, it can, it must mean this is a sign of my body. Uh-huh. And that was the first split in Protestantism. Really? Um, in more recent times in ecumenical dialogue, major Protestant bodies, Anglican, Lutheran, Reformed, and otherwise, have made affirmations of Christ's real presence. And the question has been, yeah, but how real is it if they don't believe in transubstantiation? And transubstantiation is often not mentioned in the agreed statements of these dialogues. And so that was the impetus for my book was to say, let's go digging really carefully and look at the articulations of real presence in Luther and Calvin 
and see in which ways they they uh, resonate with the Catholic doctrine of transubstantiation mm-hmm. and in which ways they, there might still be differences. And if there are differences, can we propose a way forward? And that that's what I try to do. Okay, and you just said something that made me think that can we... Is, do, we, do I have to believe in transubstantiation in order to believe in the real presence? Uh, only, only in a certain way. So transubstantiation is an attempt to articulate it. The Council of Trent, which is authoritative for Catholics, yeah. says it is the most apt way we've found for articulating it. So y- you, as a Catholic, what you need to believe is that this is a good way of talking about real presence. Right. So if you were to say transubstantiation is nonsense, that would be counter to Catholic teaching. But what's important for you is not that you can articulate transubstantiation the way Thomas Aquinas does. It's real presence is the key doctrinal question. Transubstantiation is a theological articulation which has served the Catholic Church very well. And if you denied it, we would say, then tell me what you actually mean by real presence. Because if you're denying transubstantiation, we feel like there's going to be implications for your your sense of real presence that, that we would want to push back on a little bit. So okay. it's, we don't strictly need to believe in it, but we're but pretty close. <laughs> right, right. And and I suppose that the, the nuance, can I use that word? Is it mm-hmm. more than just semantics? That, that, that whether it's Christ is fully present and the bread, the substance of the bread is not, so that's why it's trans, it's replaced right. it. It's become, correct? well, it's, it's become, it's, it's precisely... It's trans- <laughs> Transformed is a natural thing. So transubstantiated is there's no um, synonyms for this word, right? But, but basically, it, mean, it means that the the substance of the bread itself is what has become the substance of the body. And but it means that the substance of the bread is no longer there. So that right. that would be something else. Right. Right. Consubstantiation. Consubstantiation means the uh, yeah the 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 substance of the bread remains alongside the substance of the body, which has been added to it. Now, would that w- be heresy? Maybe. It, it depends what you mean by it. If uh-huh. if you're like a modern person who thinks that substance is basically a physical reality mm-hmm. and you look at the Eucharist and you say, well, the physical reality of bread and wine remain, mm-hmm. um, then you're you're basically saying what Thomas said, St. Thomas said when he says the accidents remain. Right. Uh, right. Right. So if you're using substance to mean what Thomas meant by accidents, then then you're not a heretic. Yeah, you're saying the same thing. Right, but you have to look carefully and see how people are using the words because it's it's highly sophisticated technological language and it's too easy to call somebody a heretic yeah. when when you haven't asked those deeper questions, right? Yeah, okay, good. We're going to leave it there. Um, I hope that people are, at least with the whole ecumenical aspect, I think it would have piqued people's interests because I, the, for me that was the new... The new thing that I learned from reading the book—it's—it's it's a really good book uh, for theologians and non-theologians alike. Right. Um, uh, thank you, thank you for writing it. Thank you for what you do, and it's good to see you. Thanks for having me. I, I really appreciate it, and I hope people enjoy the book. Yeah, me too. Brett Salkeld—he's the Archdiocesan theologian for the Archdiocese of Regina, Saskatchewan, and he has served for many years on the National Catholic Roman. Catholic Evangelical Dialogue. You can listen to his podcast, Thinking Faith, at archregina.sk.ca. I'm going to put that link on our site so you can find it easily. And his latest book, Transubstantiation, Theology, History, and Christian Unity, is published by Baker Publishing Group. To listen to this interview again or for the rest of the program, go to our website, saltandlighttv.org slash radio and uh, look for the Salt and Light Hour. Here now is our featured group, Trinity with Songs of Life from their album, The In-Between. I want to see a change in the world that start today. 
I don't wanna keep looking at things that were better yesterday. Let's keep believing in a beautiful future. Come on, May. Love alone can guide our feet on this narrow mountain way. Singing songs of light in the light of the divine. We climb to where we touch the sky. Don't know how, don't know why, but love is heaven's song. Pulling us back home. In this life, everybody has questions of the heart. Sometimes hope can feel a million miles away from where we are, but there is something even greater than the darkness pulling us apart. It's that overwhelming feeling you get standing underneath the stars, singing songs of light in the light of the divine. We climb to where we touch the sky. Don't know how, don't know why, but love is heaven's song. Pulling us back home. That was Trinity with Songs of Life from their album, The In-Between. I first heard of the band Trinity when I was working for World Youth Day Panama. I heard about this group from the Netherlands that sang in Spanish and English and French. For 14 years, they've been playing all over Europe. They played at the Dutch Catholic National Youth Days. They also played at the, in Lithuania at their annual Catholic Youth Days. And, of course, needless to say, they ended up playing in Panama at World Youth Day. And so I'm very happy to welcome their lead singer and frontman, Elbert Smelt, to our program. Elbert, welcome uh, welcome to the Sultan Light Hour. Thank you so much, man. It's an honor. It is an honor. I'm so I'm excited s- about this. I am excited because I remember you're one of the first groups that I heard about when you, that you were interested in coming to Pan and going to Panama, and then I never yeah. got to see you when you were there because everybody's so busy. But I've seen some of the videos, yeah. and it sounds like you guys. It looks like you had a great time. Yeah, man, we had an awesome pilgrimage. I must say. Yes. Yeah, for us it was it was the very first because we haven't been raised Catholics or anything. So this right. was our introduction into this whole new world for us. <laughs> yeah, world these days, it's pretty crazy. Yeah. 
Yeah, it was awesome to be part of this. Yes, it's good. And yeah. there's, there's a. I'm gonna put the link on our site, but you, uh, you recorded a video down there, which is a very fun song. Yeah. Um, that it's you wrote. Called Anthem of Love, and it has Spanish and and, and English lyrics in one yeah. song. Yeah, and you, you wrote that song for World Youth Day, or or knowing that you. No, were it was go? it was just oh. on our on our latest record that we yeah. just had released by then, and uh, because it was half Spanish, we decided to yeah, it's record great. the movie for it while we were in Panama. So okay. it has a lot of joy, a lot of contagious Jornada um, Mundial de la Juventud vibes on it. Okay, so so okay, I got to stop because we have uh, this, this program airs a lot of we have a lot of listeners in the United States. Hay muchos latinos uh-huh. and they're all wondering how this Dutch guy speaks perfect Spanish. So and it's yeah. and it's you and your two brothers, right? The band is you it's three brothers, you and your My two, two brothers. brothers and another friend that and we met in high school, yeah. Okay, so yeah. where's the Spanish connection? But me and my brothers, we, we grew up in Peru, South America. Okay. As missionary kids. So <laughs> my parents are, are Dutch people from uh-huh. Europe. Mm-hmm. And Holland or, or the Netherlands yes. is, is all the same thing. It's it's a very small country next to England, next to Germany, yes. on top of Belgium. Yes. And uh, my parents worked in Peru and Lima for 10 years. And during that time, we were born and Wonderful. grew up there. So we've always spoken Spanish and Dutch and English. That's wonderful. And uh, we fell in love with the folkloric music of Peru, actually. Yes, it's Peruvian. already. Yes, Peruvian music. So I always played the quena. I always played la quenita como chico. La quena, so that's like the the pan pan flute. Um, Yeah. Also la zampoña. La zampoña, which is also the... And my brother always used to play the charango, the little guitar. Yeah, the little guitar. Yeah, made with armadillo skins. Yeah. Yeah, I used to yeah, have a ever since we yeah. were, Ever since we were four, six, and eight years old, we we would already play with our ponchos on and our sombreros on, <laughs> and we would play in church. Or That's hilarious. Uh, once we returned to the Netherlands, we would always play in, in missionary events or right. uh, whenever there was some missionary event we would play and right so how did and, the group and, and uh, make a party of it? <laughs> how did the group? Uh, how did the band Trinity come to be? Well, I think that was when we were in our 20s, early mm-hmm. 20s. Mm-hmm. We wanted to do music that would transcend uh, differences and barriers and and that, that would bridge gaps and that would bring together people and that would be a good music that would unite people in song and in party, mm-hmm. in real, real mm-hmm. joy. Mm-hmm. So uh, we started Trinity with a lot of folkloric influences from Peru, obviously, in our sound. Yeah. But also lots of Irish folk music influences. Yes. And yes. Uh, we started playing in churches and later uh, at, at big conferences and festivals. And mm-hmm. uh, via many friends that we have in Belgium, we started playing in the Catholic world as well. Yeah, we, of course. We believe that... Uh, that it is one church, you know. We we, we should be together. It is one and church. Celebrate Jesus yes. and uh, yeah, and and live lives that 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 make it visible, you know. That make absolutely that make grace and love visible yeah. in the world. So absolutely. Why yeah. did you Why did you choose to call the band Trinity? Well, at at that moment, we had been in Ireland a lot of times, mm-hmm. and Ireland is a uh, is a country where there is a, a big a Celtic Catholic tradition, of of course. Yeah. So, Everything there is called Trinity. There is a Trinity College, Trinity Square, Trinity okay, Street, Trinity okay, Churches. Okay. And uh, we we just thought it was cool. It is only very recently that we have sort of rediscovered the value of our name uh, in, in, in reading up on, on the Holy Trinity and finding out cool 
theological stuff about the Trinity, <laughs> which right. makes total sense now because we are a band that that's, that tries to unite yeah, people. Yes. And uh, if you look at the Trinity, you see that God is is a community in in Himself, mm-hmm. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So God, uh, by being a Trinity, sort of preaches and says to us, "Hey, man, even even me myself, I am a community." So. And mm-hmm. if you and and me and, and me, if we people are created in God's image, that means that we have been created to live in community yes. as well and to never be alone and it's so true. to do life together. Yeah, to be one. So this yeah. whole Trinity name is it's it bounced yeah. back has bounced back upon us. That's great. And given us a new meaning. Yeah. a new drive to play and, and unite people. That's neat, yeah. Um, you've yeah. played Obviously, you've played in many, many festivals, but now I hear that you organize uh, what you guys call a, a heavenly parties. Is that correct? Yeah. What, what, are, what are those? What are those heavenly parties? Yeah, so we have sort of specialized in throwing heavenly parties in big <laughs> barns and stables. <laughs> okay. Because we just like the feel of it. And especially it. this Christmas time, yeah, you must imagine uh, the Netherlands. It's pretty dark out here at oh, the moment. Yeah, the days like are Canada, short. Yeah, yeah, a bit like Canada, I guess. Yeah. Yes, and uh, yeah, people are in need for 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 connecting parties where they can have a have a drink and and, and a bite of food and where they can uh, put on their big coats and just stand together and sing songs and 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 jump around. So we have. Um, we, we, we're doing a big Christmas tour and, and because there is such a big show up, we've decided to go to horse riding schools. Okay. So we, <laughs> we just stand with 900 people or 1,000 people in, in, in a horse riding school in the sand where the, where the horses normally walk. Yeah. And we put, we, we put together two big, uh, how do you call those things which, which uh, farmers use to, to stack the hay on? The big uh, trailers. Oh yes, yeah. Yeah. So we we put together two trailers as a, as a stage. Yes. And we just stand on it, and we we bring along some some fellow musicians on on banjos and sounds like a lot of fun. And, uh, singers, and we just have a lot of fun playing that traditional. Sounds like a lot of fun. And also our new own songs. We also have a, a a few Christmas songs of our own. Yes. So it's just one big, uh, very festive and and atmospherical. Yeah, with a, with a very good party atmosphere. You, yeah. You've totally made me want to go to the Netherlands now for a, for a heavenly party. Mm-hmm, yeah, um, sounds like a lot of fun. Um, what do you do? You consider yourselves? I mean, with the name Trinity and and your music, do you consider yourself a Christian band? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So that's yeah. the your your yeah. your hope for your music is that you're evangelizing with it, bringing hope to uh, people. Yeah. 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 Bringing, showing real hope, real love. And uh, connecting people, uh, yeah, that that's our thing. Yeah, yeah, the good news, especially this Christmas time. I really feel like Christmas is such a nice opportunity to share about. Yeah, it is the hope and the love and and uh, the unquench unquenchedness of of Christ. <laughs> How do you call yeah, it? Unquenchable. He shines in the darkness. Yeah, yes. and the darkness cannot overcome it. That's right? true. Yeah, unquenchableness. Unquenchableness. I think. Dark yes. times. It is. It is. Yeah. It is. And it's great that. Do you find that in Europe? Um, I mean, Latin America is so Catholic. Canada, United States. The, I guess there's a little bit more of a divide. But maybe do you find that in Europe it's easier to have a Christian event? And whether people are Catholic or not Catholic, Christians, Protestants, that it's all it's easier to to be together. 
Yeah, I think here in Europe, maybe a bit more than in Canada and America. Yeah, yeah I think secularization so. Secularization has, has has hit the church very hard. Mm-hmm. So um, traditional Christian dom has sort of, um, well, I, th- I think as Christians here in Europe, we've come to realize that we that we have been marginalized greatly. You know, we were, we we're not a big group anymore, mm-hmm. and society thinks they can live life without God mm-hmm. very much. So uh, Christians here, I think, are aware a bit more maybe that that they need each other, they need that to... they need to overcome their differences. Yeah. That's good. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's good. That's good. And we are one, like you said. Um, Albert, we're going to have to leave it there. Uh, That's all the time we have. But it's been so good to finally uh, talk to you on the phone. We've emailed uh, quite a bit, but um, I'm looking forward to it. I love your music. I love your videos. And I hope that you uh, have a new album coming out soon so we have uh, an excuse to to play more of your music on the program and maybe have you guys guys back on. Yeah, so yeah, we... We're on Spotify, we're on YouTube. Yes, you're everywhere. Uh, yeah. With our new album as well. So, so uh, is is the In Between the new album? That's a new album, right? Yeah, the In Between is our is our latest is your latest album. Record it's that wonderful. Yeah, there's some such great yeah. music. Yeah. Okay, so um next time you're in North America, do a little side trip to Canada. Come visit us in That would be in, great. Yeah, that I'd would love be to super visit Canada, yeah. be fun. Okay, we'll have to work on that. Okay, good. God bless. Yeah. Great to meet you. Merry Christmas you too, man. to you and your brothers Merry and Christmas. and, God and bless. the band. Okay, God bless. Thank you. Albert Bye-bye. Bye. Albert Smelt. He's the lead singer of the Dutch Christian band Trinity. You can find all about them, listen to their music, watch their awesome videos, and purchase the music at their website, bandtrinity.com. Here now to take us out is Trinity with Alive Again from their album, The In-Between. This is the day that the Lord has made. At least that's what the world's been telling me I wanna wake up and feel it, the passion inside Rising up like a wave, I'm desperate to ride Hear the call of the wind and the trees telling me To begin to breathe new life I wanna break away, dive into the day Know that I'm alive, alive Soak up all the sun until I come undone Know that I'm alive We're listening to Trinity with Alive Again from their album The In-Between and that will bring us to the end of the program this week. You have to watch the video for this song. We're posting it on our website saltandlighttv.org slash radio. That's also where you should go if you missed any part of this program. You can stream or podcast all our Salt and Light Hour programs at that webpage, saltandlighttv.org slash radio. And you can also subscribe to the Salt and Light Hour podcast on Spotify, iTunes, or the Google Play Store. So no excuses. Our email, radio at saltandlighttv.org. You can look for me on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Remember, I'm Deacon Bailey. Next week is our Christmas special, and we're going to be joined by Audrey Assad. So you don't want to miss that show. Thank you for being with us. Continue having a blessed Advent season. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this has been the Salt and Light Hour.
Break away. 